Gives to Bonner on the left side. To Meyer, a three is good. Meyer falling down, top of the key, knocks down the triple. It's a 15-9 lead for the Bears, first down. There he was, uh, John Morris on uh, flagship ESPN Central Texas, calling the game in Morgantown. And uh, the man who we always love hearing from, Pat Nunley, uh, he and John have been doing this for many years together. Uh, Pat joining us now. That was, um, you know, it, this team rarely loses. And, and so the back-to-back, Pat, it felt like a 10-game losing streak. <laughs> I mean, mm, yeah. it, it just kind of had that uh, – uh, lingering effect, whatever you want to say. So that road win, to me, was um, boy. That it, it, in terms of regular season type wins, that was the most important one in quite some time, in, in my opinion. You know, I agree with you, Matt. Um, I, I think the number is uh, no consecutive losses in three years. So that is certainly cause for alarm, but. Um, in this league, uh, you know, nothing surprises me anymore. Kansas State goes to Texas and wins there. I mean, so just brace yourself, I guess, for the for the race. But I, I thought last night was huge. I really do. I think the coaches felt that as well. I don't think there was any panic. Uh, the sky's not falling. Lost two to two really good teams. And we just had to figure out a way to go up into a hostile environment. West Virginia is as tough a place to win on the road as there is in the league. And shorthanded, find a way to just make plays down the stretch, which they did. And it was a, I thought it was a courageous effort, really, because the odds were against them and the crowd was hostile. And it was just nice to see them go with what they had and find a way to win. And I, that was a good way to get back on track. And if you think about it going into that game, Matt, that's probably the last place you'd want to be in the league to try to right the ship. But they found a way and they did it. And it sure feels good to be four and two rather than three and three. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think uh, this conference is so interesting right now. Last year, Iowa State goes 0-18. K-State really, really struggled. And now it's re- it's back to being sort of top to bottom, uh, a a really anybody can lose on any night kind of thing. And Pat, I don't have a great feel. Usually, you can go well, okay. I mean, I think before the season, people wanted to say either Kansas or Texas is the best team of the conference. Then Baylor spends all that time at number one. It's like, well, Baylor's the unquestioned team. Yeah. You know, Kansas escaped Norman with a win, sixty-seven, sixty-four. Do you have a – isn't it really hard right now to have a feel for, like, a make a definitive statement, okay, I think this is the best team in the conference. I, I don't really know how anyone could, could make that statement right now. I sure can't. That's a good point, Matt. I, I sure can't. And, you know, we that's kind of what we do. It's, it's um, coffee shop talk, and it's fun to do it. But I, I don't think you know. I mean, you think about Kansas State, for example. They were winless. But they went to West Virginia and took seven players and one coach. That was it because of COVID. And so you really don't know much about K-State. We're starting to learn a little bit about K-State. And everybody is now thinking, oh, gosh, we got to go to Bramlage Coliseum, which is another really hard place to play. 
So I don't, I don't really know. I mean, when we were four games into the league, every team had a loss. And I cannot remember the last time that's happened. Uh, Kansas did what it does last night. It won a really close game on the road. And so I'm not even really going to go there. I I just don't know. There is so much basketball yet to be played in this league. It's a grind. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And so I think you take it one step at a time. You know, the mantra of the team, and it's not just a tagline, is one and oh, period. That's it. You don't think about standings. You don't think about seedings. It's it's almost kind of nice to have that undefeated streak ended. It's weird to say that, but I don't think they were thinking a whole lot about the streak. But now that they had those two losses, I think they've just been able to get refocused, get back to fundamentals, which is a bit of a work in process right now. Because I don't think this team defensively is the same team that we saw back in mid-December when they beat Villanova in a historic defensive effort. Got to get back to that. So they're less worried about standings, I think, and more worried about how we're going to get back mm-hmm. to the point, to the kind of play that allowed us to go 15 and 0 to start the season. I like that. I think that's I think that's right uh, it, it, as far as like playing to the standards. Why we, you know, when they came out of COVID last year, it didn't look right. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, some of us maybe were a little panicked, um, and then uh, but they got it right with at the time they needed to get it right. So they yep. have even more time this year to try to recapture whatever they, they might have lost. Pat Nunley joining us does a great job as a radio analyst for, for Baylor. Pat, what we just celebrated, didn't we? How many, how many games? It's, it's, it's always interesting to, to hear, like, oh, my gosh, this guy did, has done this many games or however many hundreds mm-hmm. of games. Where, where, <laughs> where are you these days? You know, Matt, I don't know. Uh, I just show up and do them. I will say, now, I, you know, math is not my strong suit. This is 41 years. I, I started wow. in the 1981-82 season. I graduated eighty eighty one, And so I yeah, I don't know, whatever that whatever that number turns out to be, that's what it is. I think it is 41. So I don't know how many games. I, I have a real job, and so I can't make every single game. I'll miss two or three over the course of the year. Yeah. But um, it has sure been fun. It has been a ride. You know, yeah. John and I laugh about how we have seen it all. <laughs> and that is an, that's an understatement. But it sure is nice, Matt, to be where we are. I saw Seth Davis recently uh, call Baylor the, the best basketball program in the country for the last three years. And that's hard to imagine, but that's not me talking, John talking, Scott. That's Seth Davis, who covers college basketball for a living. So that really says it all, and it's a nice place to be after all these years. Yeah. Well, you you saw some of the great characters uh, in Southwest Conference history. You you played against them, and then you you played for Coach Howler. I mean, what a what an amazing when you look back on all those years. I as a kid. Um, I mean, listening on the radio, that would have been Frank Fallon, of course, and you yeah. and, and I guess it was Mike Battle. I'm trying to think when Bauckham came along. There were some players that I always, you know, what was great about listening to all those games on radio, you sort of invented in your mind what guys look like. Now, I would go to the SMU games because I, I grew up in the Dallas area, and then I would see 
Uh, what, what was the what was the tiny guy's name? Ronnie Blake. Yeah. What was the? Yeah. I mean, Ronnie. Yeah, we have we have yeah. a text string of all of teammates, <laughs> and Ronnie's on there. I talk to him by text two or three times a week. It's great. Yeah. yeah. That, that guy yeah. was unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> Five six. Was that about right, or was he even shorter than if that? If that. If that. <laughs> and you know what? What a lot of people don't realize was he was a very very good high school quarterback at Lufkin, and oh, wow. they ran the Veer, yeah. and he was just. He, he was, as a quarterback, the same kind of player as he was as a point guard and a winner, just a winner. At 5'6", yeah. you better have something special, and he did. Yeah, I uh, I get to see, you know, Terry and, and everybody who came back, David Wesley. I mean, that, the, the, the after the championship, that was just so cool to see. Boy, Terry still looks imposing. I mean, he had those big – he had some kind of like uh, those work boots on or something. And I was like, goodness yeah. gracious, nobody's going to mess with Terry Teagle. Uh, and it was just, uh, that was so cool. I mean, it was like reliving my childhood to watch all those guys. Now, does anybody ever hear, I'm sure you get asked this all the time by people like me, does anybody ever hear from Vinny? I mean, is he, I, I just wondered if Vinny was enjoying all this because he's the one guy that, that, uh, even Coach Haller, I'm sure, has a little trouble getting a hold of from time to time. Would, do you feel like Vinny was enjoying all this when, uh, when, when, uh, when we won the title? I think he was, Matt. I, we, we don't talk to him a lot, um, but interesting. I mean, it's been a long time now, but when Baylor played Michigan in football up there, Vinny was, had just recently retired from the Pistons, and we rang him up and said, we're coming up. Join us. Let's let's go play golf or do something, and we did, and we had a terrific weekend. And he went to the game with us, and it was just <laughs> it was just terrific. I mean, um, Vinny, I, I don't know where I saw this, but it's legitimate. You know, he did well in the NBA, and he made some money. Yeah. That was back for crazy money, but when he left the Pistons, he started a company called Piston Packaging, and he has grown that, sold it, acquired this, acquired that. And the number I saw from a mutual friend was that Vinny is worth $300 million. That's <laughs> Vinny Johnson. And that's VJ. He, um, he is savvy. He is street smart. He is a worker. He's tough. And he's a great yeah. guy. He, he really is a delightful guy. So I think he has a, a very soft spot in his heart for Baylor. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see him more, but he's working. He's working all the time, and good for him. He's probably worried, like some people who do extremely well. You know, they may ask him for some money <laughs> if he shows yeah. up. Can oh. you imagine? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I'm, uh, like I'm sure to... <laughs> he's on that list. I, I'm that's sure right. that ask has been made, and uh, <laughs> that's just not in my job description. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, talking to uh, Pat Nunley, former Baylor uh, uh, star. It played with uh, Vinny and then played with Terry and that whole gang back then. Those names that come back to my mind, you know, Shakir. Those are like names, Gallardo, um, uh, Stern, James Stern from Waxahachie. Those were like mythical people to me. Like, I, I you know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have any – I don't have any clue what they look like or anything. I just – those were names that were like, and some of those guys probably averaged like five or six points a game. 
you know, they weren't you and Terry averaged the most. And uh, but those guys were supporting type roles. But uh, but I'm sure, again, like those guys meant a lot to you. I But as a kid, again, it's just like, I wonder what this guy's like or I wonder what battles like some reason I thought battle. Maybe I made this up had like a, a large Afro. Was that, would that have been correct back then? Okay. Yeah. And that was the rule rather than the exception back in those days. (laughs) (laughs) So we never knew really how tall Mike battle was because with his Afro, he's probably six, seven. I think, I think what, you know, just standing in his socks, he was probably six, four, six, five, but jump out of the gym. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. A leaper. Um, so yeah, those, those were, those were great guys. And, and we have all, for the most part, stayed in touch. In fact, Matt, when the, the team sponsored the, um, the national championship parade, we all got together and had dinner after the parade. Yeah. And so I, I'm thinking to myself, after the national championship, can this get any better? Well, it got a little better. And it was a gift from Baylor basketball to get all those guys back in. And it was mm-hmm. really nice. Now, you know, we're all, we've got grandkids now. And we have time. And so, in fact, right now, Charlie Jackson and I are working on a weekend where we can get everybody together, go see a game, and then just hang out. Yeah. Well, just know, when I hear those seal stats, and I bet it jabs you a little bit, too. They love to put that stat. And, again, we love what Scott's done. But but they'll put one of those stats up there like, only, whatever, twice they were ranked in the previous. Well, first of all, rankings were done differently and Baylor had some unbelievable players through the years. So I kind of – that always bu- bugs me a little bit that they sort of take a poke at the past to promote – I mean, yeah. it's good enough what we're experiencing without the little, you know, Baylor never did this before whenever Scott arrived. So anyway, mm-hmm. you don't have to comment on that. Just know that it bugs <laughs> me. Uh, uh, talk <laughs> Talking to Pat Nunley, who does the games for Baylor, has for uh, so many years. What do you think when, – when I – ask you who's the best pure shooter on this team it's not an easy answer I know because you got some really good shooters but you could make an argument that Cryer his form and and just his ability to his spot up shoot and obviously he was shooting off his wrong foot yesterday and making some big shots it, it could you make the argument that Cryer might be one of the best pure shooters in this conference right now Absolutely. I mean, I'd, I'd like to see Cryer and Flagler play a game of horse, and I'm, sh- I'm sure they have. But Cryer averaged the level 34 points a game. I think he is number five on the list of all-time scores in Texas as a high school player. So he knows how to score, and he knows how to shoot it. And we saw a good look at, of that last night at 25, shooting lights out. And again, I don't, I don't, that's not an aberration. He can really stroke it. And I, I like him as a player. I think the challenge for him when he arrived on campus was to understand how important defense is at this level and in this league. And what he had the luxury of doing last year was playing against the three best guards in college basketball. And he got better. And I think what he also learned was, to be at that level, you have to defend because each of those three guards were elite defenders. I mean, what Davion did speaks for itself, but Jared and Maceo both could really guard. And I think, well, I know LJ has bought into that. You can see it. He's a better defender 
but man, can he score and can he shoot it? <laughs> he he is he wants the ball and he loves playing with a Kinjo because he knows where to go. Kinjo knows where he's, where he's going, and so the more LJ can catch and shoot, the better shooter he is. I mean that applies to everybody, but when he's getting good looks, he is deadly. And we're going to see a lot more of him as the season progresses. All right. Well, I uh, it's fun to get to uh, talk to you. I think you're right. Next time we talk, I want to ask you about Kendall because, I, to me, obviously he's got tremendous, tremendous talent. He's getting lost sometimes, and I don't know yes. what that's a product of. Uh, he just goes long stretches without really touching the ball, and then maybe even when he does, doesn't ex- totally know – what to do with it, and and you do mm-hmm. want to see. And honestly, pre-conference, he was scoring and, and doing a lot of that. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't exactly know what's going on with him. I saw a high school game last night, Pat. By the way, you got to keep yep. your eye on this mm-hmm. kid. There's a sophomore, Lake Highlands, played Richardson. Richardson has yes. two players. One's going to Alabama, and one's going to Kentucky. Cal Perry was at the game. Mm-hmm. This kid yeah. is this this kid for uh, Lake Highlands is named Trey Johnson. He's the number three sophomore in the country, okay? He scored 37 last night in a losing effort. They, they came all the way back. It was an incredible game. His dad, Richard Johnson, played for Baylor in the 90s at some point, just a little bit. And he, I think he transferred mm-hmm. somewhere else. But anyway, you've got to keep your eye. If you ever can slip up, I know you love to watch high school as well. Oh, and you've also yeah. got another job. But, man, is there anything better? Than, than a packed high school gymnasium when you got about three or four D1 kids on the court. I don't, I don't know if there is anything better. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome. There's not, Matt. And really, I, I'm, I'm an old school guy. I like high school basketball. I'm not an AAU guy. Now, I understand that's where it's at. Yeah. And you know, college coaches can go and watch an AAU tournament and, and just get a wider universe of prospects. But – when you say Lake Highlands and Richardson play, that's my thing. I, I love high school basketball. You're playing for a championship, and you, you get glimpses of some of the best in the country. But I, I like the guys that are just playing because they love it. And yeah. there is something special about that. So I, I do miss that. And I get the AAU thing. I, it's important. I mean, it's really important, obviously. But the, the, the purest, I think, really enjoys high school basketball and I'm I'm an old school purist no doubt all right so on that stat I was mentioning earlier what I'm going to have them start doing is mentioning that Jim had to coach Aller had to go up against Abe Lemons Shelby Metcalf Guy V Lewis <laughs> and Eddie Sutton yeah I'm going to I'm going to have yeah. them include that every time they say Baylor was only ranked twice or whatever <laughs> right well let me let me add to that Matt. And I, I love Jim I was at his first recruiting class and we've been dear friends forever Jim was the 1981 Southwest Conference Coach of the Year in a league filled with those coaches you just described. So that's that's pretty important. I mean, that's significant, and that's not easy to do. So yeah. I don't, you know, I, I love where we are, and, and part of where we are now is what it took to get us here. And, and you know, when I played, I thought we were we were good. We finished second in the league, and that back in those days. The NCAA tournament was 36 teams. And so the NIT was a really big deal because you yeah. you got teams that today would be NCAA tournament teams playing in that thing. So, again, it, it 
it was a, it was a wonderful time. It was a great league. I mean, wow. Uh, it's a different game now completely, but the quality of coaches and players back at the old Southwest Conference in those days <laughs> was very, very high. Yeah, it, it, my dad would take me over to, uh, uh, you know, the Hyatt uh, over at Union yeah. Arena, and, and, and yeah. so you could just sit there and watch Joe Klein and Akeem uh, and, and Mr. Mean Shaw and and Rob and all those guys, Clyde and I mean, it, it, you talk about mythical whatever. I mean, I'm a I'm a whatever I was at that point. I'm seven years old. My eyes are not just because of my glasses. My eyes are big as saucers. And and those are the people you were playing against. <laughs> I mean, just yeah. it's sort of amazing. Yeah, you know, when I was a senior, uh, Five Slam Jamma was just getting going. Those guys are a little younger than me. And I remember one game, we're warming up. There's a guy standing on the sidelines, and this guy looks like he's cut out of the side of a mountain. He's seven foot one, seven foot, and had a 32 inch waist. And his name was Akeem Olajuwon. <laughs> and that's what was coming. And I kind of thought, good thing I'm moving on out of here because this is going to be a different breed of cat. And that's where, so add him to that mix of guys you just talked about. Yeah. Spice Slam and Jamma. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then the guy we basically got, we never were able to find again. I think they found him somewhere, Benny Anders. <laughs> they, they did a whole yeah. documentary on trying to find Benny Anders, and I think they found him finally. You know, he just disappeared off the face of the earth, and they found him like 30 years later or something. Oh, my oh, gosh. That... an offense. Instant offense. <laughs> that was Benny Anders. Fun to watch. Yeah. yeah. There have been some great yeah. players in this league for the years. Yeah, it was so oh, much Oh, my fun. gosh. Yeah. Well, you're still doing a great job, Pat. Love it. And uh, you and John, uh, continued success, and, and appreciate you, you jumping on with us today. My pleasure, Matt. Thanks so much for having me. You bet. There he goes, Pat Nunley, the uh, radio analyst for the Baylor Bears since, uh, golly, what did he say, 81-82 season or 80-81? That's crazy. Um, I mean, that's when he was finishing up. They put, like, a 22-year-old guy on as the analyst.